You're listening to an Anderson Entertainment production. This episode... We're playing second banana in Fab Facts. There are some spooky goings on in the randomizer. And I'm back with a new interview. It's Toby Haydoke. That's all coming up in Banana 153. Of the Banana Anderson Banana Cast. <laughs> Let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson and Richard James. I, mean, I feel I like don't. that might have been a bit of a slip up. Yeah. Do you think, oh, I found it quite appealing. Oh, I think people might think it a trifle strange. I think you'll find it was the best of the bunch. Um, don't know I how win. to you do it. I win. Uh, I, I mean, I think I was I was on thin ice with trifle to be honest, because I'm not sure you put yes. banana in a trifle. You oh, can't well. banana trifle. Of course you anyway, can. Anyway, look, this is actually oh, a podcast yes, about yes. the world of Jerry Anderson. I don't know why it's we true. started talking about bananas. I'm so sorry. Mm. Thunderbird Four is yellow. Maybe that's the reason. But uh, could be that. No, look, I am Jamie Anderson. That fellow you can hear talking any second is Richard James. Yes, that's me. Hello. Yes, and over there, silent Hi. but deadly, is Chris Dale. Pardon? <laughs> oh right. Okay. Yeah, deadly sure because gonna, yes, yeah, because it, of his Anderson oh. knowledge, and he, he's like the uh, sort of uh, Anderson assassin, I'd say. Okay. Do you think? I think you probably just about got away Anderson with it. analysis assassin, the triple A, triple threat, Chris yeah. Dale. Okay. Anyway, Fine. Yeah. He'll, yeah. he'll be here later on with his highly popular and award-winning, uh, according to me, that is, uh, randomizer. Mm where he'll pick yes. a random Jerry Anderson episode and tell you all about it and give his witty yes. and uh, highly uh, thoughtful and incisive observations. Yes, he will. But there are many other things that happen in this podcast, such as these following items listed for you now by Richard James. We've got Fab Facts coming up in just a moment, whereby Jamie will offer me a fantastic fact from his book of Fab Facts, and I will judge whether it's fab or not. Ooh. We've got some news from the Jerry Anderson universe coming up, because as we know, there's brand new stuff happening right now. Uh, we've got uh, our Podstrons, uh, who've been sending in emails, they've been tweeting us, and they've been posting on our Facebook group. And finally, we've got part one of my interview with the wonderful Toby Haydock, who I know you will know from his uh, Doctor Who associations, but also has a thing or two to say about Jerry Anderson. And Space Precinct. Yes, quite right. Too. Can't wait yeah. for that. No, so much coming up. What a stonking list of content. And uh, would it? you believe we do that every week? So, I know, without fail. If it's your first time to this podcast, please do bear with us. We do come up yeah. with some interesting Anderson content. And I assure you, you will find something to enjoy uh, in the yeah. next 90 minutes or so. It's not always about bananas. It's never about just, bananas. No, but just to make that clear. If this is your first time listening, welcome along. You are now an official Podstron, so thank you, Podstron, for yeah. joining us. That's because you're a podcast listener, and we've derived that term from Mistrons, and we did it all the way back in, I don't know, Pod 11 or something, or maybe yeah, earlier than that. It was brilliant. Yeah. So welcome to the ranks of the Podstrons. Here comes the first bit of interesting content. I use interesting oh. uh, very loosely as a word. possible sense. Thank you, yes. Richard. It's Fab Facts. Hooray! Now, time for this week's Fab Facts. 
Fab facts now in its 130th edition. <laughs> uh, no, oh, yes. it's, uh, we started this uh, with Simon Archer's wonderful book of fab facts and uh, yeah. later moved on to our very own extended edition of fab facts. What happens yep. is this. I've got a book of fab facts. Here it is. And oh. uh, I will. That was a quick flick there. I'm going to flick through a bit more slowly than that. At a random point during the flicking, Richard will shout the word fab, which is my cue to stop flicking. At that point, I will open the page fully and read to you a fab fact, and Richard and you, Podstron, will uh, decide whether or not this is indeed fab. Okay. Yeah. Richard, are you ready with your fab? I am. Podstron, are you ready with your ears? Yes. Excellent. Here comes the flick. Fab! Oof! Gosh, okay. Mmm. Yep. Well. Come on, then. I've already convinced you're going to find this one to be a fab fact. Right. But let's see. Uh, We've spoken before about the various cast changes in UFO and how if you watch the show in production order, half the cast disappear after episode 17. Yes, that's That's true. Because of the studio move and the pause in production, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Also, we've covered quite recently the unfortunate politics by which George Sewell, that's uh, Alec Freeman, was let go from the show to be replaced by Wanda Ventham as Colonel Virginia Lake. Yep. Freeman obviously wasn't the only character uh, the show lost around that time. Keith Ford, Gay Ellis, Lou Waterman and more all just vanished because the actors who played them were busy doing other things and weren't able to return for episode 18 onwards. So, some replacements had to be found to fill certain vital roles in the show. While in some cases it was easier to fill roles with existing characters such as uh, Aisha Bruff filling in for Lieutenant Ford at Shadow HQ or Nina Barry filling in for Gay Ellis on Moonbase... Mm-hmm. For the role of Shadow's second-in-command, it was felt that perhaps a brand-new character would be needed. Obviously, from the existing cast of returning characters, Paul Foster would perhaps be the obvious choice for Shadow's uh, second-in-command, but as we know, he was a relatively recent recruit to the organisation, so perhaps it was felt that within the world of the show, he wasn't quite senior enough. Okay. So... The search was on to find a replacement for Alec Freeman, uh, and meanwhile, scripts were being written with either Freeman still present or just a generic second-in-command role until a new actor or actress could be arranged. Right. The idea of that second-in-command character being a woman, which was quite a bold move uh, for a, a show of that time, even for an Anderson show, seems to have come from Ed Bishop himself. Now, whether or not he's specifically suggested Wanda Ventham is a little unclear. He says he did, and he says he didn't, depending on which uh, interview you read. (laughs) Right. But he certainly took credit for suggesting the idea that it should be filled by a woman. Regardless of how it came about, Wanda Ventham eventually became one of the two candidates for the role, the other being a male actor by the name of Gary Raymond. Mm-hmm. Without actually knowing they were going up for the same job, Wanda and Gary were actually interviewed for the second-in-command role on the same day. And oddly enough, Wanda had been to drama school with Gary's wife. Small oh. world. Yes. Now, we know how things went from there. Wanda was hired as the new second-in-command. She reprised her role of Virginia Lake from the first episode. And because many stations and networks back in the 1970s showed the series in a largely random order, it was never obvious that she wasn't meant to be a main character right from the start. Sure. So obviously, Wanda was happy because she got to be on the show. Ed was happy because he really came to enjoy the relationship between Straker and Lake. And poor old Gary Raymond, well, Mm. as they say in game shows, he didn't go away (laughs) empty-handed. Right. As his consolation prize, 
something quite rare in the entertainment industry, he still got to play his role of Shadow Second in Command in the episode The Man Who Came Back as Colonel John Gray. Okay. So the next time you watch The Man Who Came Back and wonder who on earth this John Gray bloke is who suddenly turned up and is telling everyone what to do and why why he's getting so much screen time, just remember that he could have actually been a new regular character as Second in Command of Shadow. So there you go. How interesting. Yes. Okay, I like that. So it is quite rare that you... I mean, how often, Richard James, have you been up for a a role and they've said, actually, no, but we're going to bring you in to play a different iteration of the same role for one episode as a consolation prize? That never happens, does it? No, of course it doesn't. No, that's right. Yeah, I like it. So Gary could have been, let's say, Virgil Lake. How would that have been? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That would work. I mean, I'm just making that up now. Actually, obviously, <laughs> it would have been John Gray. But uh, yeah, so there you go. That could have been a very, very different universe. But I love how forward-thinking the show was, the team were, and Ed, Ed was too, to yes. be saying, let's yeah. have a female second in command. Come on. Absolutely. I mean, this is set in 1980. We know how forward-thinking the world is going to be by 1980. <clears throat> um, anyway. Well, yeah. Yeah, it was a nice idea. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. A bit ahead of its time. Yeah. So there you go. That's good. But a lovely thought, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm so glad it worked that well, because she was great. And still is, what a lovely Lady Wonder is. Uh, anyway, yeah. Richard James, anything mm-hmm. else you wish to add before we bring this fab fact to a close? No, I was uh, sufficiently satisfied. Oh, okay. By the well, fabness of that fact. Thank you very much. I'm really glad to hear you thought that was fab. So that is the end of this week's Banana Fact. Sufficiently fact. satisfactory <laughs> fact. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, no, how was that a banana fact? Second banana. Second fact. banana. That was the yes. thing. Yeah. Second banana. Okay. Anyway, yes. what else have you got for us today, other than uh, totally mismatched ends of fab facts? Well, now our lovely podstrons have been emailing <laughs> us into podcast at jerryanderson.co.uk and oh, Smith, for example, says, uh, "Dear Rich and Jamie, I recently purchased the DVD of Crossroads to Crime, and I think the best part is the cast interview slagging it off. Truly, I've never seen anyone hoping that it was burnt or remained lost, except for Terence Dick's exclamation on the finding of Moonbase Three from Doctor Who. Anyway, he says I'm intrigued to watch. You've never seen this, as the YouTube clip with the lady writing with ten fingers of chalk is decidedly creepy. Still." Mm. It might make for a T-shirt one day, he suggests. I did come across a listing for the BBC Radio Play sitcom of Two Doors Down, which is set in Belfast and apparently stars Jerry Anderson as himself and a neighbour. I was just wondering if you had any further information or stories about this. Thanks for such entertaining podcasts and rapid-fire quips. And that's from Anthony. Hmm. Well, it's a different Jerry Anderson, of course. Yes. I'm assuming if it's a sitcom set in Belfast on the radio... It's the Northern Irish one. The Northern Irish radio presenter and I think uh, sort of uh, comedian Jerry yep. Anderson. So, yeah, there we are. Different one entirely. Uh, Terry from Hereford got in touch to say, Can you tell me the significance of the number 45 to Jerry Anderson? I cannot, Terry. Did he provide an answer? Luckily, he did. Oh. In Roman numerals, 45 is XL5. Oh, XLV. Of course it is. Goodness. Chris got in touch. Hi, Jamie and Richard. I would like to thank you both, Richard and Chris, once again, for a continuous and consistently excellent podcast. Uh, Jerry Anderson Day was fantastic, and I hope that it will be a permanent event forevermore. Congratulations on what was an excellent celebrational tribute to Jerry's career. I have a few Space 1999 and Jerry Anderson-related questions that I hope you may be able to answer. Firstly... 
quite a few podcasts back, you mentioned that a new Space 1999 book was coming out by Marcus Hearn, entitled Space 1999 The Vault. As I haven't heard any more news of this new book, can you tell me if it's still planned for release? Also, on the subject of books, do you know if there are any plans to publish a new and up-to-date biography on Jerry's life and career? I've read a few books about Jerry and Thunderbird specifically, but not an authorised and up-to-date biography. I'm sure I speak for all the Podstrons when I say that this would be an absolute must to have. Keep up the excellent work, chaps. Take care from Chris. So so The Vault was delayed. Yeah. I suspect if it's going to appear, and I believe it is, that it may be later this year, but that's all I can say on that. Mm-hmm. And as for a biography, it's certainly something which is being actively discussed currently because it seems like a good okay. time to look at it. But uh, as you may be aware, there's quite a lot of active projects going on. So uh, yeah, just a few. There, there aren't that many of us at, uh, at Anderson Entertainment right now, aren't mm. they? Um, yeah, so, yes, we will get there in due course, I hope. Fingers crossed. Hi, Podmasters, says Stephen. <laughs> I'm not famous, except in my own mind, but after your Ed Fact in Pod 151, it reminded me of a time around the late 90s. I'd been interviewed at home by BBC Countryfile, and a week or two later, my brother was installing a TV, his job at the time, at a customer's house. He said, I'll just tune the channels for you, got to the BBC, and blurted out, wow, it's my brother, as my Countryfile episode was being broadcast right at that very moment, showing my small segment of the programme a spooky coincidence there. That's it, mm. he says. Cheers, Stephen. Well, well, it's still, yeah. you know, relevant-ish. Like Absolutely. Uh, Ian <laughs> says, I, I thought you might be interested in this wonderful cross-sections book. And he posted a picture to us as well. He said, I picked it up a couple of months back in a local charity shop for the princely sum of a pound. I love hearing what people pick up in charity shops. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, Ian continues, a couple of quick questions for Richard. Why was Space Precinct dubbed? And do any of the original studio sound recordings exist, i.e. with the actors' original voices? Uh, why it was dubbed I mean that's the question isn't it mm. uh, there's all sorts of answers to that firstly I think the American producers were, were worried about the uh, uh, English accents they were worried about the noise of the servos in the uh, creatures heads and I think uh, they were a little concerned that there was no sort of uh, continuity of, of accent among the cast uh, and guest artists so it was sort of a, a blanket uh, policy really mm. and there is a small clip on uh, one of the DVDs, I think, from an episode, one of my scenes, in fact, yeah. uh, which uh, features my voice pre-dubbing. So uh, <laughs> if you want to hear that, pick up the uh, DVD box set. And yeah. finally, for now, Jamie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yes. Phil Steer is taking you to task. Oh, I was looking forward to being taken to task by someone. Thank goodness right. it's Phil Steer. Phil says, hi all, quick question. What happened to the 60-second video messages that you requested for International Jerry Anderson Day? I wasn't expecting my message to be used, but I didn't see any from anyone. I'd be keen to hear what Joe 90 would find out. He says, is it a job for Joe 90? Joe, we need you to go undercover at Anderson Entertainment and discover who it is that is preventing these messages being released to the public. We're giving you the brain pattern of someone who knows their way around the place. Someone who used to go there each week with his band to play the theme tune to Fab Facts. He's not happy about being dropped from the show, so he's only too happy to help. Many thanks for the show and stay safe. Best wishes, Phil Steer. Well, Phil Steer, yes, this is the Phil Steer segment of the Jerry Anderson podcast. Yes. So I asked for messages. My my aim was that we would have maybe 20 or 30 and have yeah. like a mega cut of all the lots of people saying, hello, I'm blah, hello, blah, oh, happy Jerry Anderson Day. I love it. You know, so it was a real kind of nice repeating yeah. segment. Now, 
we actually only received seven messages. Ah, oh, well, there you go. Which were not, You're not su- send them in. No, they were not you sufficient know. to cut together this particular project, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so that's why. So it's, that's all right. Don't, don't, you know, yeah, of course it is. Yeah. It was a little nice idea. Sometimes these things don't work out. But uh, thank you to right. those of you who did send in a message. We really appreciated it. But that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, all for now, but do send in your emails to podcast.jerryanderson.co.uk and I shall endeavour to read them out next time. I can't wait. But I'll mm. have to. But what we don't have yes. to wait for is the Jerry Anderson news. Oh, is it right here, right now? Mm, now. It's the Jerry Anderson News. Newsy, news, 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 news. I joined in with news, you there, news, see? News, yeah, news, yeah, it's quite nice joining in. I won't yeah. do it again, though. Uh, here we go. Uh, let's start with this, then. Um, let's start with an upcoming teaser for Thunderbirds Terror from the Stars, as you know. Um, the first of our new audiobook releases around Thunderbirds is coming to CD and download. CD courtesy of the Jerry Anderson store and hardback, too. Uh, and download via bigfinish.com. And very soon, coming this week, we should have a lovely new teaser for you. Oh! It's going to be a good, oh, I'd say, four or five minutes. So you'll get a really good flavour of what things are like, what the music's like, what the sound design's like, what the voices are like. I'm very excited, and I'm pretty sure you're going to enjoy it. We are uh, hard at work recording more audiobooks for you in the background. We've just been doing some rather exciting casting of some new voices for some old heroes who I think you're going to love. Yeah. And we'll have more on that in the coming weeks. Now, I think after the excitement of that, you'll need a tea break or a coffee break. So what better way to do that than with your uh, Gail Myers Co. uh, mugs and coasters, which are still available for now from the Jerry Anderson store. But they are a fixed amount of stock and um, they're selling pretty quick. So if you want to get yourself a set, it's a great gift for yourself or for uh, a loved one. Something subtle and mid-century design uh, appealing. For, uh, for Thunderbird fans and possibly just fans of mid-century design alike. As you may know, there are some ongoing production and shipping issues, especially from China. If you combine Brexit, COVID and the Suez Canal blockage, it's amazing what a knock-on effect that sort of thing has. And it really does push things back by weeks or often months. So there are delays around 1612 and big chief pre-orders as far as we are aware. Now, those are outside of our control and we'll do our best to keep you as updated as possible. But I just wanted you to know that we are doing what we can to mitigate those effects uh, for stuff that uh, Anderson Entertainment is producing for the Jerry Anderson store. So as much as possible, we are manufacturing in the UK. Where we can't, we're manufacturing in Europe. And where we can't do that, we're manufacturing as close to home as possible to avoid these uh, shipping delays. But it's a... Uh, it's a tough new world currently, and uh, although your local supermarket is going to be pretty pretty good at uh, bringing stuff in and keeping you stocked up, the more specialist the item, the bigger the impact on the and delays and stuff. So thank you for bearing with us. If you have any queries, just email support at jerryanderson.co.uk and the team will do their best to answer your question and make sure you are satisfied. If you have some feedback for us about content, that's any content that we create, whether it's on YouTube Uh, Things like Networks, Jerry Anderson Night In, even the podcast. We would love to hear from you. What would you like to hear more of? Oh, yeah. What would you like to hear less of? Maybe Richard James? No, Uh. I'm only kidding. I couldn't possibly say that sort of thing. Uh, But yes, any content suggestions, 
would be we'd be really really happy to hear them if you could send them in to feedback at jerryanderson.co.uk that's f-e-e-d-b-a-c-k at jerryanderson.co.uk we'll collate those and uh, and see what you want out there you know what what do you podstron want from the worlds of jerry anderson that we put out for free let us know and also if there's something you're really desperate to see as a physical media release or a digital release maybe space precinct on blu-ray not space precinct on ice richard Mm -hmm. that kind of thing then let us know and we'll look into it the more emails we get the better and it'll help us as we go forward so i think that's it for this week's jerry anderson news yeah it is that was the news that was the news it certainly was wasn't it though (laughs) every week news every week I know. I'm still waiting for that week where we just play the piano version of Marina instead of the news when it's a quiet week. But it hasn't happened yet in 153 parts. It's not happened yet. No, that's true. Now, are you on Facebook? And if you are, why are you not a part of our Facebook group? Why? Why, oh, why? It's quite easy. Just go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash podstrons, answer some questions, and we'll let you in. For example, Rob Doyle has posted, I just finished the pilot of Four Feather Falls. Yes, he's continuing his watching of uh, the first episode of each series. Uh, he says it's aptly named How It Began. Not bad at all. You can see a vast improvement on Torchy the Battery Boy. The western sets are really beautiful. The waterfall scene in particular. We're introduced to most of the main characters and Tex's magic feathers are explained. What's not explained are the puppets of Dusty I am a dog, honest, and Grandpa, who looks like he came from one of the underwater kingdoms in Stingray. Hmm. Six out of ten for the pilot, he says. Yeah. I think that's a bit harsh, isn't it? But it's a little bit harsh, but, you know, I mean, it's 1959. What are you expecting? Yes, true. Well, uh, Miles Parrish says, I don't think that... Ah, oh, no, he's been watching Captain Scarlet. He says, I don't think the music for this scene from Place of Angels was composed specifically for it, but gosh darn, every note from the time Mr. On Judy Chapman drives up to the research centre to after the guard meets his untimely end and the vault of chemical weapons opens is so perfectly suited for the action on screen and makes it even more chilling. 10 out of 10 for the music editing from Barry Gray and 10 out of 10 for the direction from Leo eaten incidentally being a 1992 kid stuff like this gives such an interesting take on the cold war that you don't get from history books imagine the creation of a chemical weapon by the ostensibly good guys being a plot point on tv now well Mm. yeah good point that is interesting did barry gray write his music to the pictures or were the pictures created and the music chosen to just lay over the top both ah so Barry created quite a library of music and, it, and a, lot of the, a lot of the time he'd go, oh, I've already done something that will work for this. Yeah. Probably not exactly that delivery, but uh, yeah, some yes. of the stuff will get reused and other times he would create new new stuff that was cut exactly to pictures. So a great combination. Yep. That's why you'll hear cues from Five Black Cell 5 and Stingray turning up in Thunderbirds and Joe 90 and even right through to, to Space 1999 and UFO sometimes. Yeah, great. Uh, Finn Jackson says, uh, finally getting around to the 50th anniversary Thunderbirds episodes. Ah, yeah, great fun. Uh, I kind of wish they'd do a similar treatment to the Captain Scarlet mini records because they've gone and done a great job, in my opinion, recreating the original show. And it'd be cool to see that talent applied to stories like Captain Scarlet versus Captain Black. But he says, that's just a thought. Yes, wouldn't it, Finn? I agree. Jenny Davies says, hello, fellow Podstrons. 
Now, I wanted to read this one out because it just gives you an example. We often talk about our wonderful community on our Podstrons Facebook group, uh, and Jenny's written, uh, Hello, fellow Podstrons. I thought I'd show you my new angel look. On Thursday, 29th of April, 2021, I cut 12 inches off my hair to give to the Little Princess Trust, where they make hair into wigs for children who have lost theirs due to cancer and other illnesses. Oh. And this is the second time I've cut my hair to give it to the charity, the first time being about four years ago. What a lovely, thoughtful thing to do, isn't it? That's Amazing. Nice. Yeah, well done, Jenny. Yeah. That's brilliant. Uh, and also, there have been uh, several posts on the Facebook group about earthquake acting, which I know we all love. It's when you're watching those uh, sci-fi series and the earth shakes or the s- spaceship gets rocked and the, uh, yeah. the cast have to fling themselves around around the set. So he says, further to the comments about the earthquake acting in Space 1999, I thought I'd nick a gimmick I've seen on YouTube and stabilise some of the said shots to remove, as far as possible, <laughs> the camera shake and reveal what it actually looked like to anyone in the studio when the scenes were shot. Silly and pointless, but it makes me laugh uh, quite right too so do pop over to our facebook group and have a look at that it's an area's video of uh, uh, uh martin landau and uh, the rest of the cast throwing themselves around the set brilliant yeah so there we go join in our facebook group what have you got to lose a couple of hours if you go down the rabbit hole i suppose but uh, yeah, otherwise that's it though not a lot yeah. nice people there no. lovely podsterons yeah. be one of them exactly yeah all for now more next week great well Richard I know that you've just done all that reading out of things yeah and I know Uh that recently you've done quite a few interviews and stuff but yes yes you know I did fancy a break I'm a bit worried that you are to my job but well you you say that yeah. Oh, 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 right, okay. Ah. okay. Well, right. Well, but you, you can go have, and have some time off. Yeah, no, that's fine. You, you go and you yeah, do this go one. rest your weary mm. head. Yeah. I, I will. That's fine. Thank you. Go on. That's all right, Jamie. You're listening to the Richard James podcast. And I'd like to introduce you to my good friend, Toby Haydoke. And now, Toby, I know you will know from his association with Doctor Who uh, and his many podcasts of his own that he produces mm. about well, the I series. Uh, oh, you're still here. Sorry. Oh, I sorry. I woke to, up. Yes. Thought yeah. you'd gone to lie down. All right, I'm going again. Well, I spoke to Toby about his childhood, uh, growing up watching Jerry Anderson programmes too, uh, and the memories that stuck in his head, and he had many thoughts to share. Is that it? Are you, are you done now? Yeah. Are we well, going, do you want over to, to Toby. Oh, right. Yeah, don't okay. lie down. All right. Over bye. to Toby. So, Toby Haydoke, you're known as an actor, uh, a stand-up, writer, podcaster, but perhaps mostly to fans of sci-fi as a lover of and chronicler of all things Doctor Who. But for now, welcome to the Jerry Anderson podcast. It's nice to be here moonlighting. (laughs) (laughs) Is that how it feels? Well, yeah. I mean, it feels like I'm sort of a fifth columnist consorting with the enemy. (laughs) (laughs) So, Toby, let's uh, talk a little bit. What was your sort of, uh, it's a rather pompous phrase, what was the cultural landscape you found yourself in growing up uh, as a young boy? What were you watching and reading and listening to and so on? Well, you see, I, I was sort of born in the wrong place, which kind of helped me discover my love for the things that I love because I was brought, born in the countryside in the middle of nowhere. Uh-huh. And I was the youngest of four and there was not a very big gap between the top three and then a bit of a gap between me. And then my dad walked out when I was about four. So I was sort of left to my own devices In a, and we didn't have much money, but we did have a lot of books, uh-huh. uh, including a lot of Doctor Who books. So I was sort of bored and left to my own devices and found these books on the shelves and there was a telly up at our end of the house. So that's where I sort of, you know, saw a lot of, um, you know, if there was any sort of fantasy stuff on which I sort of gravitated towards. But it was it was very much through that sort of archaeological looking at Doctor Who. And also because 
my mum was quite liberal in the sense that we were allowed to stay up quite late and we were allowed to watch adult <laughs> programs. I remember a friend coming round and being shocked, a work colleague of my mum's being quite shocked because he came round and the young ones was on. And I mean, ah. I didn't understand an awful lot of it, but I, I was <laughs> I was allowed to be exposed to it. And actually there was there was a period where my bedroom was on a sort of balcony that was attached to the main telly room so i had to go to bed and everyone else was there was not a wall between me and right. where everyone was watching the telly so by osmosis i think i got 12 angry men <laughs> and hear all these sort of sweaty actors shouting at each other and thinking wow that sounds really exciting but my first experience of it was it sort of coming over my yeah my sort of my bedroom it's balcony as it were yeah interesting uh, yeah it's so like, it was it was all sort of Piece, sort of, I was the sort of magpie, magpie pie picking things up. Yeah, um, but probably a bit older than stuff intended for me. Yeah, like, it's funny you said that. I have a, a very distinct memories of being allowed to stay up on a Friday night to watch Starsky and Hutch, which yeah. I, I suspect was on after the news. Now the news then was on at nine o'clock on the BBC, so that's like going to bed at quarter past ten on a Friday night after Starsky and Hutch. Well, and, and what happened after all my brothers and sisters got a bit older, because my mum didn't have any money and had to go back to work. And my dad had been a doctor, so a medical charity offered to pay to send me to the local boarding school because she couldn't drive me in and out of work. So I wasn't private school material, as it, as it were, yeah. from that uh -huh. background. But I was, I was funded to sort of go there. So I would mostly so that she didn't have to come and pick me up and take me take me to and from school and wasn't a school bus uh, at that point because we were so far in, in the middle of nowhere. So then I came back on Saturday during the day and went back on Sunday night. So I only watched television on Saturday night. And I think out of pity because I was such a, a I mean, I watched, from that BBC One, um, you know, we we watched we watched there was Bergerac, and then we switched over for Have We Design Pet, and I stayed up and watched Spitting Image, and you know, stayed up till goodness knows when because that was my very small period yeah. of being able to watch telly. So of course, then when Doctor Who moved from Saturday to midweek, mm. uh, I missed it. Oh. Uh, and for one for one season, I, I made a friend of mine tell me what was on, and then the local vicar took pity. <laughs> And he videoed Dr. Because <laughs> he was the one person that had a video. Wow. So my Sunday was spent being driven to the local vicars and having tea with him and being able to watch the two episodes of Doctor Who from that week. Great. <laughs> I've forgotten about that. Yeah. <laughs> and was it Doctor Who really then that kind of was that your the gateway to your TV viewing? Was that uh, or was there something before that that really piqued your interest? I think my earliest memory is, and this is where older brothers and sisters come into it, is is of episode one of The Invisible Enemy. And I remember one of my brothers saying, oh, this is where their faces turn furry. And it, 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 I thought much later, I thought, how did he know that? Because it's the beginning <laughs> of episode one, so it's not a clear bang. And it's because it was repeated. Uh. It was repeated in the summer. or a couple. Of, so my earliest memory is the repeat of episode one of The Invisible Enemy. And I think because I'd got old, and it was a time when everybody watched Doctor Who, mm. and Doctor Who was part of the sort of cultural landscape. And because they'd already got the books because they were a bit older than me. And, and as my brother said to me recently, he said, you know, yeah, we like Doctor Who, but we grew up. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah. So, you know, they if I said to my brother now, Pyramids of Mars, he'd be able to probably tell me some stuff about it, even though he doesn't <laughs> want Doctor Who. And I remember being pretty hooked from that early. And I would scour, you know, I would scour the shelves for Doctor Who books. And then I got Doctor Who a celebration, that Peter Haining book, which was the mm. 20th anniversary when I was what nine, yeah. which was the ultimate time to suddenly discover there's a 
bigger history than those handful of target books you sort of you kind of guessed because you knew that there were previous doctors yeah. we had a thing called the doctor monster book that i would sometimes find on a shelf yeah that was like a, a sort of gateway drug but if you've got a slightly again a sort of magpie mind that likes finding things out suddenly a 20-year history is just a, that isn't unlike the kids today where you can just press a button on the internet <laughs> you had to sort of just dig, find old copies of the Radio Times and flick through them and hope you found a picture and all that sort of yes, thing. So yes. that was my childhood then, yeah. was looking for clues about Doctor Who. Yeah, and uh, uh, broader, I mean, were you also interested in the other sort of sci-fi offerings at the time, the, the tripods and Blake Seven and, uh, and things like that? Or was it that n- not naturally a, a given that you would watch those just because you watched Doctor Who? Well, Blake Seven, yes, because it was grown up and people wore leather and snogged each other and it seemed quite, oh, crikey. Um, I mean, it seemed so grown up, Blake Seven. The tripods, yes, and I got quite into the tripods and I got the books and I very much liked those. And we watched the Anderson stuff that was on that had periods of being being on. I mean, any anything that... I slightly resented, I think, Star Trek because it seemed to me to be more mainstream... It was cooler with the school kids, as it yeah. were. I don't know. So, yeah. For some for some reason, it seemed more acceptable, and that would automatically make me go, "Well, take a step back from it." I didn't want to like the thing that everybody else liked, and yet <laughs> I've just said five minutes ago, everybody liked Doctor Who. But yes. I was in a, my growing up with Doctor Who was a curious period where it went from being that thing that everybody loved at the twentieth anniversary and part of the furniture to mm. only two or three years later being a bit of a joke that everyone mm. thought was awful. Which, yeah. which shows a great change in attitude or a massive mismanagement of a product. <laughs> well, you decide. Yes, we'll leave that there. Uh, and uh, then where, where did the worlds of Anderson fit into this? What, what were your first memories of watching Jerry Anderson productions? And Well, I think it was, and I've listened to your podcast, and I've listened to Nick Briggs and Benji the other yeah, day. Being, yeah. And I think it was Jamie, actually, being very cruel about Joe 90, which yes. I haven't seen since. That was my, f- I think that was my first. Right. What panel would that have been on? Well, that would have been you, ITV, you your local no ITV region. That would have been the repeats during the 70s, I'm guessing then, wouldn't it? Uh, late 70s? I, w- I would think I would have been very little, yeah. Yeah. And then Thunderbirds, I seem to recall, was on during the mornings at weekends. Right. Was it, is that right? Possibly, yeah, yeah, quite possibly. Um, I think- and I remember thinking how clever it was. It's amazing because I think I, really early on, I was obviously interested in how stuff was made and how you made the fantastical realistic. And I always got bothered when Doctor Who, you know, when I looked at a bad effect and thought my friends could mock it. So I remember yeah. watching Thunderbirds and thinking how whoever had the idea of doing the close-up of actual hands uh, <laughs> yes. was a genius. Because I just thought, oh, well, of course you would, because you don't have to show the puppet because you can just have a hand. And, oh. yeah. and, and so I always had that kind of eye on stuff. So we watched. I definitely watched the Thunderbirds when it was on at the weekends. And then I remember watching my nan's watching a Captain Scarlet and being shocked at how violent that was. I remember some people getting shot by a machine gun yeah. uh, in a... In a a pre-credit sequence and a woman dying. And thinking, yeah. I'm sure people didn't die like this in Thunderbirds. But they even repeated Fireball XL5. I remember watching that too. Right. So it was always I was always on the lookout for that sort of okay. thing. Okay. Yes. Uh and Terror Hawks. And I remember again thinking it quite neat that they did the noughts and crosses thing in the, yeah, in the that's clip. right. That's right. And and that Windsor Davis, who was the sergeant major in it, Aiden Tarfotman, was the sergeant major in Terror Hawks, which I thought yes, was yes. A, But I missed the last episode. And I remember my friend Ollie, who I always made tell me what happened in Doctor Who, told me that Tiger Einstein had died. And I was that just seemed to me 
<laughs> just impossible. Um, but I still haven't seen that episode. Ah, really? Um, it's really weird how I would accept everyone in Blake 7 dying, and I thought that was thrilling. But the idea of killing off a puppet lead somehow seemed some, yeah, somehow yeah. seemed particularly unpleasant. Yeah. And did you uh, uh, do you remember noticing or thinking anything of the uh, the different puppets for, for Terror Hawks? Than you know, because obviously he moved away from uh, Super Marination towards uh, Super Macronation. I think it was called glove puppets. Essentially, do you have any thoughts uh, or memories of that? Well, I think. I remember that the is it in Fireball XL five because the black and white I think maybe showed the strings up a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, and so I think with with Terrorhawks I think the idea that you didn't have it was a bit like bad CSO in Doctor Who. Mm. As a fan, you'd go, oh, I, I hope they can get rid of that somehow. I guess watching Thunderbirds, my thought was, well, this would be so much better if they could get rid of the strings. <laughs> right. um, uh, so so Terrorhawk, you know, I think my my again this sort of production eye I would have had on it would go, oh well, look, they've got rid of the got yeah. rid of the strings but i was certainly also more aware that it was of the more comedic tone so yeah. remember I, maybe my eye was less on at that point the technology than there was often an obvious shift that they were sort of bumbling comedy baddies yes um whereas i think i was probably of an age where i liked things gritty and grown up uh, Fair enough. because because i don't know there's a certain age you go through isn't it when you're when if your thing is grown up it's somehow the first question i used to ask people when i interviewed them was do you think doctor who's a children's program and i'd hope they'd go oh definitely not even though i was a child because i i didn't want my thing to be a children's program yes yes now i think cling on to your childhood as long as you can yeah, don't try yeah. and be grown up <laughs> uh they, they divide you've mentioned two shows there uh that, that divide opinion joe 90 as you as you said uh jamie and i think nick briggs and benji clifford are not too keen on uh, and terror hawks because it is so different but likewise uh, dick spanner do you remember dick spanner that was the short uh animated but, series well again i remember it because i think i was at university when it was on and I was just pleased any stuff like that was getting made because obviously there was a period and people forget in this age of Netflix and fantasy shows and Avengers movie franchises, anything vaguely fantastical mm. was, you know, was, was, was only consumed by, you know, died in the wall anoraks. Yeah. So anything where, and Dick Spanner was, was sort of slightly comedic and parodic. So I remember my, my student mates watching it, but I, I checked out a little bit of it recently because again, I listened to Benji and Nick and yes, yes, laying into it. Absolutely horrible about it. <laughs> yeah. But I'd remembered it being sort of quite fun at the time. And there was a period when I was at university, which I was slightly uneasy with where sort of genre stuff was a bit sort of retro cool and people liked it but they liked it because it was a bit naff whereas mm. deep down i was going no you've got to like it because it's good i mm. used to get very upset when people liked stuff uh, they looked at it you know with a slightly arched eyebrow whereas i still love that stuff you know yeah. my, my love for this stuff has never been cynical so was there a moment where you uh, looked at the screen and thought well I'd, I'd like a bit of that i want to get into this world i want to work in this world how, how did that come about well, I was stuck in the countryside in the middle of nowhere and, and didn't really have anybody to talk to. So I used to, you know, I used to play and I used to, and part of my play was to, to you know, quote lines from Doctor Who stories I'd watched mm. over and over again. And then that got in. And then I, when we did Shakespeare at school, I found saying those words were, were really, really um, invigorating. So mm. that was my, my play was to sort of act al alone. Uh, but my problem was, the reason I think I got interested in the sort of behind the scenes side of things for a bit was because I had a very weak R. 
Mm-hmm. So my and my brothers used to take the Mickey of me for sounding like Rick from the Young Ones. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I remember they, the, the South Bank Show did a a documentary on the on a composer, and I said, "Oh, can you can you video it for me?" Because he he composed some Doctor Who, and my mum said, "Oh, what's he called?" And I sort of blushed because he was called Richard Rodney Bennett, oh, uh, and, and of course right. they all they yes. all found that hilarious. And <laughs> um, so I thought I would never be able to be an actor because I. I couldn't say my eyes. As I got older, I think my mouth shape changed and I, mm. and I worked on it as well. Mm. But I've, funny enough, I've been looking at some actors I like very much recently, like David Collings and Derek Newark, who both have weak eyes and, mm. and both had to work quite hard to get rid of theirs. And they did okay. But it meant that I then, you know, did a lot of reading with a view. I, th- I thought I wanted to become a director because I thought that was a way of having sort of, you know, still a creative input. So from, I mean, from the year dot, I've never wanted to do anything else. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, writing came a bit lighter. I only ever wrote to facilitate performance, and ironically, it's the thing that I that I seem to keep getting asked. To do. <laughs> and I know people who would be desperate to have some of the opportunities I have had as a writer, yeah. um, who haven't had them. And comparatively, I've sort of walked into opportunities, and I feel a slightly guilty sometimes. But my mum's mm. always said that she thinks writing is the thing. Uh, I should I should concentrate on, but I always want to do the thing I'm not doing. So sure, you know. sure. You said something very interesting in your uh, your current uh, podcast series, Happy Times and Places, which is uh, uh, chronicling uh, episodes of Doctor Who. Essentially, you, you sit down and watch and uh, commentate upon them and give us some interesting stories and facts and figures and so on. And uh, you said something that really stood out to me: that when you were growing up watching Doctor Who, it sometimes made you feel very angry. Yeah, it's well. I think there's a lesson there in in <laughs> life, and I, 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 I'm just trying to think what instance I was talking about. But I used to get, I used to get cross with Doctor Who if I think if I felt it would then get me some stick at school the following week. <laughs> I don't know, but I. Interesting. What? What? Which, can you remember which one I was yeah. talking about? Yeah. So you were watching Battlefield, and you were saying that you so wanted it to be good because you knew that if it wasn't, it would be taken away from you and you'd get angry if you felt the series was letting itself down. And the reason I mention it is because, you know, various fans of various Jerry Anderson series may feel something similar about the progression of the techniques or they may not see it as a progression from the supermarination days through the live action and Terror Hawks and so on. Well, I don't want to get too lofty, but I do think there's a, a, a lesson in life about, and I still need to learn it, about enjoying the present Hmm. uh, and not fixating on the past which you can't change and not thinking the worst of the future because it hasn't happened yet but i think ever since doctor who was put on hiatus because doctor who is the only constant in my life Hmm. so ever since it was put on hiatus it lived in the shadow of being axed and i didn't know what i'd do because it was the only thing that i i had yeah it did make me angry and i was quite i was quite I think I was affable in person, but inside, yeah, I was, I was, I would get furious with Doctor Who if it did. But again, and it's the other lesson is not worrying about what other people think as well, because it wasn't necessarily whether I liked it or not, but whether I thought that other people. <laughs> Would so I was almost getting offended. It's like these people now who get offended on other people's behalfs. Mm, I would yes. look at the pink phone box in the Happiness Patrol and think, "Well, my mate Steve at school is going <laughs> to think that's pathetic, <laughs> and that's going to reflect on me." Ah, <laughs> oh, what a clever you, man, Toby. Yes, well, isn't he? I mean, he's such a aficionado of uh, cult TV and uh, popular television culture. Yeah, really interesting to talk to him, and uh, lovely to hear his thoughts. Hmm, yeah, he's uh, 
encyclopedic and fascinated with all things pop culture. And uh, I mean, well, he's being fascinating and knowledgeable. He's basically everything we aspire to be and yet fail to manage to be. <laughs> I know, it's true. It's true, isn't it? So. And, uh, you can follow him uh, follow him on Twitter at Toby Haydock and uh, tell him we said hello. Uh, I think we'll have part two next week. Uh, yeah. We, yeah. We do. More Toby Haydock and more mm. us feeling useless and rubbish next week. Thanks, yeah. Toby. Yeah, thanks, Toby. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else you wish to add, Richard James? Because I can see Chris uh, is now eager oh. to join us. Oh, is he? Is mm. he? Oh, yes. Right, OK. Uh, no, well, let's let Chris in and um, I'll come back to and, uh, read some tweets and some YouTube comments a little later. OK, Chris, it's time for you to shine with your lovely, shiny randomizer. Well, I finally get to see you. You're a hard man to pin down. Oh, I'm terribly sorry about that, Howard. Uh, yes, please do sit down. Yes, I'm afraid the randomizer uh, means I'm always very busy, you know. Now then, I gather you wanted to talk to me about the reviews the randomizer has been getting online recently. I must admit I've not seen any. Could you maybe give me an example? The series is going to pot. Oh. The scripts are old and hackneyed. The entire production is lifeless and trite. I see. Well, yes, that doesn't sound too good. Still, the show keeps ticking along, eh? Well, unless something's done, it's heading for big trouble. Oh, really? Fortunately, though, I have a solution. Oh, what? You want to press the button today? If you think I'm bluffing, you try me. No, no, I certainly wouldn't think that. Uh, by all means, please, show me how it's done. I didn't come here to bargain. And if you or anybody thinks you can do a better job than me, you are very welcome to take over. I don't think it's doing anything for you. I know it's not doing anything for me. Hmm, funny that. Right, let's see what we have today. Okay. The series. Well, it's a series we've not seen for a while, actually. It's Fireball XL5, and the episode is Ghosts of Space. You have seen it, of course. Well, yes, but not for a very long time. Uh, not since the VHS days, in fact, so we might just have a problem here. You're the one with the problem. Oh, really? bad scripts. Well now, Fireball XL5 wasn't always the best written series, but I think I have a fair idea of what we're in store for today. I'm not sure you do. Well then, let's all find out together, shall we? So, welcome back to Fireball XL5 on the Randomizer. We haven't been here since November, I believe, with Dangerous Cargo. And, uh, Curiously enough, we're opening in a, in a similar way to uh, to that episode, rather than an abandoned mining complex. We're in a almost like an abandoned town, all uh, spooky as we had our our title there and some uh, eerie music. Yep, looks like a, a typical Wild West frontier town, but long since deserted. And here's good old XL5 carrying a special guest to the planet. Fireball Junior to Professor Maddock. Nose cone disconnected. On our way down to Planet Electron. Right, Steve. You haven't got long, Steve. Remember, we're way behind schedule. I'm sorry I won't have time to introduce you to the people of Electron, Fraser, but you just mentioned my name. Well, what time? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's uh, that's arrogance and a half. That just just say you know me and everything will be fine. Wow. They sure are hospitable. I'm sure I'll get on fine with them, Colonel Zodiac. Yes, this is a geologist named Fraser. Because, um, as I mentioned last week, I believe, we had uh, a, a, a character named Fraser in, in Supercar, and I'm sure Fraser is the most common name in in all the Jerry Anderson shows. I mean, we had one last week, we got one this week. We had regular Frasers in... Um, the other side of the hills. ...in Captain Scarlet and UFO and 
Space 1999. I'll give the electons your regards. Let's see, I've got all my survey equipment. Well, guess I'm ready. Ooh, okay. <laughs> that was a thorough check there. You forgot your underpants. Oh, well, never mind. Yep, Fraser's leaving Fireball Junior. Yeah, I don't know what it is about the name Fraser. Fraser has disembarked, Matt. I'm on my but these, these Anderson shows just loved the name. I mean, I mean, you even have multiple Frasers within the same show. I mean, look at UFO. You have... You have Dr. Fraser in four episodes. You have a, a Joe Fraser and a Catherine Fraser. The electrons are real friendly people. It's, it's odd, and I don't think it can be a conscious decision because it's so many different writers working over such a long period of time. But uh, here we go. Strange, strange uh, little fact there. Hello? Anyone about? It's Fraser. Uh, yeah, I know that doesn't narrow it down. This is a nice model shot of Fraser on his jetmobile. It's okay, I'm a friend. Cruising up the streets of Electron. Strange. The place seems deserted. Yeah, all these friendly people. No one's around. It's covered in cobwebs. This room hasn't been used in weeks. And the meal, it's been left unfinished. Oh, spider. Big old spider. As though they left in a hurry. Something sure must have scared them. Who's there? <laughs> hey, watch it, Fraser. You're getting jumpy. It was only the wind. The wind slammed the door. Yeah. Nothing to worry about. Now, let's see. Where can I stay? Steve said something about a hotel on the edge of the town. Well, I'll try that first. Well, you've got literally the entire town to, uh, to examine. I'm trying to make out what the, uh, the words say. Well on some of these signs around the town. Let's hope they got in a good supply of food before they took off. <laughs> I don't care what happened to them, just as long as they can feed me. There's a pot. Beans. Gee, gee I'm in luck. Oh. Beans, cornflakes, rice, corned beef. I'll check the bedrooms. Oh, he's all set anyway. Nicely stocked larder. And this is something I find XL5 does very well as uh, atmospheric stuff. Oh, the larder doors closed by themselves there. Yeah, I don't know. I, I assume part of it is the fact that it's in black and white, but it does lend the, sh the show a sort of nightmarish air at times like this. Yeah, it could be, Steve. But it's my guess that the people of Electon are giving a party in his honour. Is it Electon or Electron? Um, well, sounds like they're saying Electon. I thought they were saying Electron at first. Yeah, I reckon I'll sleep here, okay? Say, that light, it seems to be coming from that rock. Ooh, glowing rock in the bedroom. Electric rock. Boy, boy, what a discovery. Must be how they light their homes. Well, I guess I'll have a meal and turn in. I want to make an early start tomorrow. Could be there's a lot more of this stuff around. Yeah, but you can't really claim to discover it if Steve's been there before. You're not really the first Earthman to set foot on this planet, are you? Unless it's just the legend of Steve Zodiac is what makes him think they're all going to worship him. Oh, so Fraser had a little kip. But, uh... Doesn't seem to have uh, slept for long. 
Got himself a pickaxe, and he's off to work. Well, it looks as if there's plenty of this electric rock around. Gee. Gee, now this stuff would be worth a fortune back on Earth. There's tons of it here, just waiting to be dug out. I, I'll start right away. Take back some samples. I'll start right away after I'm done starting already. Oh my goodness, he's uh, yep, carved out a whole pile of rocks. And this music is very good at establishing his descent into madness, as is. Speaking has got me quite a pile of this stuff. Oh, I'll be rich! I'll be rich! The addition of the facial hair that he didn't have before. Suddenly he's got a moustache and beard, so Lord knows how long he's been doing this. But that's all. The rest is mine. <laughs> all mine! Oh. Hey, hey, I found some exploding rock! <laughs> I found some exploding rock! Yay! Oh, and, and boy, is that going to help me dig out this electric ore? Well... I can work ten times as fast! Yeah, if he uses the exploding rock to... Oh dear. Yeah, he's gone completely bananas. And it's very well done, actually, his descent into madness. Um, both with the way the puppet is is altered throughout the episode and John Bluthall's performance. We oh, leprechauns. Vanity licked on to get our supply of the electric rock. Do you think the inhabitants will have returned to their town? If they have? We will be forced to use the same methods as before to move them away. But oh. why cannot we talk to the electrons? You are so young, Center. Someday perhaps you will learn that we Groverians must accept our shyness. The electrons are much bigger than us. Groverians. They could harm us. And we have no weapons. I'm going to continue calling you space leprechauns because that's how you're dressed. He must be right. Perhaps when I am older... I will have as much wisdom. Hurry, Senta. I am switching on the magnets that will pull us to planet Electon. Yeah, okay, whatever. There's some, some mighty noses on these two uh, space leprechaun guest puppets. Oh, they're flying off in a sort of supercar-type vehicle. Off to planet See Electron. how fast we travel, Senta? All I do is increase the power of the magnets in the front of the craft. And we are pulled by magnetism faster towards our destination. Hmm. Thank you for explaining that. Oh, some nice jaunty music here. Now, this episode was uh, was actually not shown in the UK when Fireball XL5 was first aired. It was held back to the end, I think, of, to the end of a repeat run of the whole series. And then this was one of four episodes that hadn't been shown the first time around that ended the run. It was this and Hypnotic Sphere, Sabotage and Space Magnet. This opened, this was the first of the four. Bombs away! Oh my goodness, first of the four un unaired episodes that got shown. I don't know why they held those four back. What does this mean? None of them are, are particularly standout examples of the series, so maybe somebody felt uh, less than proud of them. Very carefully. Oh, that sweet little minifigure of Fraser working on the uh, the model set. He is from another planet. We are lucky our landing was silent. He does not know we are here. Uh, so the space leprechauns have found Fraser working at his huge pile of rocks. The very thing we have come for. We must stop him, but how? We will use the same methods as we employed to get rid of the electrons from the town. 
your pointy nose. Would be as effective. Oh, so the leprechauns are why... He's alone. Why there's nobody left in the town. Fraser, meanwhile, looks like he's... Oh, I don't know. He's been smoking in bed. Hey, supposing it's behind schedule? Oh, 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 no. No, it mustn't be. It mustn't be. Here they come. Having done whatever it was they said they needed to do. Electron, Steve. Roger, Venus. We're ready to disconnect nose cone. Okay, Steve. Rabbits in central control. And I'm holding Junie's hand for some unknown reason. And down they go. Hey, what's that I hear? Is it a spaceship? Well, I hope I'm not imagining it. A spaceship? That means more of the big men are coming. Hmm. There was an odd shot of the leprechauns there. Ne they were kneeling down. But uh, for a moment it didn't look like they had any legs. Oh dear. Now they're standing up again. Land, you big people. But when we have finished with you, you'll wish you'd never seen Electon. Oh, oh, oh no. Not the fury of the space leprechauns. Are these leprechauns actually smaller than the regular human characters? We haven't seen them alongside each other yet. How you been? Say, you're looking a little rough. Anything wrong? A little? You're sick. What's happened? Oh, never mind that now. I'm okay. But I've made a fantastic discovery. Electric rock. There it is. Right over there. Now, if you boys will just help me load these rocks into your ship, we can lift off right away. Oh, now, wait a minute. Hold on, Fraser. What? We're not taking that pile of rocks back to Earth. No, sir. We'd never get off the ground. Well, I'm not leaving here without it. Hmm. It's going to make me a pile of dough. I've worked for three months to get that. Oh, three months. Wow. Out of the profit, Zodiac. That explains the beard and, uh... Just let's get it back to Earth. Well, everything, really. Nothing doing, Fraser. I'll take a sample piece, but that's all. Okay. You've got till the morning to think it over. But I'm warning you, Zodiac. I mean business. Oh, dear. Well, it's another stable member of the World Space Patrol we've encountered here. Although maybe he doesn't work for the World Space Patrol. Maybe he's a sort of freelance geologist. Steve, I'm worried about Fraser. He's a sick man. Mm. Being all this time alone has affected him badly. He's suffering from a form of space melancholia. Well, remember, we're not exactly pictures of mental health ourselves, Venus. But he may need special treatment. Yeah, but meanwhile, he's got this idea in his head about these rocks. He's got rocks in his head, all right. Oh, oh. Matt made a joke. Zuni's very restless, Steve. I think he senses someone outside. Oh, he must be wrong. This is nothing but a ghost town. Steve, don't say that. I'm scared enough already. Oh, right. Soon we will go to work. We're going to do the whole g -g -g ghosts thing for a while, are we? Yes. Hala, your plan is a good one. Let us hope it will work as it did with the electrons. Electons? They're definitely saying Now electons. come along, okay. Zuni. We are all going to bed. Come and try out the nice basket Steve found for you. Oh. Yeah, it actually seems to be the only uh, piece of, uh, or the only item in the room that uh, doesn't have cobwebs all over it. Cobwebs and dust, it actually looks quite nice. Poor Zuni. Oh, he tried to get in the bed, and it moved out from under him. 
Needless to say, this is not going down well with Zuni. Oh, and again! Oh, I know he's a nuisance, but um, he was trying to do as he was told. It's not his fault. Oh, that's okay. He sat in a in a, what looks like an old antique chair. That's not going to move. Okay. I'm wondering actually if any of these uh, uh, exterior buildings along the uh, the main street and the windows and such, if any of this is reused from Four Feather Falls, these uh, storefronts could be. Now everyone's gone to bed. Oh, Venus is having her uh, duvet lifted off the bed. These sinister forces. What's happening to the covers? What's going on? And that strange noise. What is it? Oh, there's a vase flying now. Up and then down. I'm scared. I'm going to see Steve. <laughs> Steve who's sleeping right through Steve. it. Steve. Steve, are you asleep? Oh, oh, Venus. What's wrong? Steve, there are strange things going on in this house. I think... I think it's haunted. Oh, Venus. Now, you know better than that. You're having a nightmare, that's all. Oh, even Steve's had enough of Venus by this point. I haven't been dreaming. Oh, go back to bed, Venus. You're tired out. I'll get some sleep. Oh, well, maybe you're right, Steve. Good night. Yeah, yeah. I am a woman, after all, a silly tooty woman. There's some unusual music in this one, that uh, much of which doesn't seem to have been uh, released on soundtrack albums at any point. Enough reading for tonight. <laughs> uh, Matt's taking his glasses off. Oh, and there they go. That's a reaction and a half. Mighty funny going on here. I'll have a word with Steve. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You you have a word about the ghosts. Yep, now he's going to go and annoy Steve. Where's that noise coming from? Puppet got some uh, cobwebs caught on his arm there. Wake up! What's Steve, Steve! I reckon this hotel is haunted. Oh, no, not you, too. Venus was in here just now with the same story. Now, will you please go back to bed and let me get some sleep? Yay, Steve Zodiac, daring adventurer. Just wants some sleep. Someone's prowling around. Could it be... He's, he's going down the stairs. Matt? I'm going to guess it's Matt. I must look. I've got to find out what's going on. Oh, if only I wasn't so scared. If only I wasn't such a tooty woman. I didn't imagine that. The front door definitely closed. But Steve will never believe me. So fantastical a story. Oh, so, uh, what is it now the next morning? We've covered every inch of the place and found nothing. Suddenly, oh, I believe you guys. If he had Steve. Well, it's dawn now. Let's get dressed. We've got to find Fraser and talk him out of this crazy scheme. I like that Zuni is still asleep in his chair that he found. He's been all right. Fraser, we're leaving in Fireball Junior. You've got ten minutes before liftoff. Oh, he's still lobbing exploding rocks at them. 
You're not leaving this planet until my electric rock is loaded aboard. Now be sensible, Fraser. Come down and get into the ship. Steve. Oh, now, now, don't worry. I'm okay, Venus. I'm just faking. You and Matt drag me back behind those rocks. And I'll have another little sleep. That'll show you I'm not bluffing. Oh, great. Now keep him talking, Matt. I'll try to creep up behind him. I can use these rocks for cover. Okay, Steve, but be careful. That explosive rock is dead. And that's why it hasn't killed anyone who's come into contact with it. Oh. Steve Zodiac is hurt bad, Fraser. He needs real urgent attention. First you will load my electric rock, then you can see to him. You can't do this, Fraser. Put that catapult down. We gotta help Steve. Nothing doing, Professor. Just start loading up my electric rock. Now see here, Fraser. Yeah, Steve's nearly made it. You know we can't keep that rock. Get moving to the rock pile, Professor. Then we'll take care of Zodiac. <gasps> oh, Steve knocked a rock. Oh, I might have guessed you'd be up to something, Zodiac. Creeping up on a guy like that. Put that catapult down or I'll fire. If you do, Zodiac, I'll fall under this explosive rock and it'll be curtains for all of us. We had one going from your face earlier and you were fine. Okay, Fraser. I guess you're calling a tune. I don't think I like you, Zodiac. Guess I'll take care of you anyway. Hmm. Oh, for Pete's sake, you don't realize what you're doing. Save it, Zodiac. I mean, even if this guy isn't a member of the World Space Patrol, they really should do better background checks on their people. Oh my goodness. Okay, so... Craft. The space leprechauns arrived in their little flying car and they've hooked uh, Fraser using their magnet. They've dragged him over to Fireball Jr. and dropped him. And landed beside him. And it's actually quite a nifty little vehicle. It is very reminiscent of Supercar. We helped the one called Zodiac because you tried to save the electric rock. I don't know who you are. But I'd sure like to thank you. I'll uh, get Fraser in a Fireball Junior, Steve, <laughs> while he's still groggy. Okay, Matt. Now, meanwhile, maybe you two would tell me what this is all about. We come from planet Groveris, the next planet to Electon. Was it you who scared the Electons from their town? That is correct. You see, we are timid people. We thought the Electons would prevent us from getting the electric rock. But the Electons are friendly. All you needed to do was to ask him for some rock. There's enough for both of you. But what about the transport costs? It is easy for us. Yeah, what about the transport costs? That's a very important point. Our magnets to transport it. Ah, magnets. Our magnets can do almost anything. Didn't you notice something strange last night? Oh, of course. The haunted house business. So it was you who rigged up that spook act. All done with magnets, eh? Yes. I'll show you. Oh, more important, you'd better get in touch with the Electons and apologize. I guess they're on another part of the planet. Yes. No, they're dead. We killed them all, drove them off a cliff, in fact. We're very timid creatures. Ah, he's put up a welcome home banner on the main street. That's nice. From Steve Zodiac, so they know it's him. Well, it won't be long now before this place is full of happy people again, Venus. Building a statue in honor of me. I have gone to collect the electrons. Pity we can't stay for the homecoming, but duty calls. That's the space patrol for you, always on the move. 
Come on, Venus, let's go. Um, okay. Well, it's a nice note to end on. Oh, especially that lovely shot of Fireball Jr. cruising over the town, but, uh... Are the, uh, the people, are the space leprechauns going to be allowed access to the, the glowing rocks from the people of Electon or Electron? We never know. Steve just says, oh yeah, probably, probably it'll be fine, but uh, we don't get to find out. So that was Ghosts of Space, and, um, hmm, well, I can kind of see why this one was held back to uh, to be shown much later in, in the, the run, because uh, it's not the greatest. It's There's some really nice atmospheric stuff here, as there often is with, with XL5. But there is also a lot of... Um, very silly stuff here. I mean, Fraser's descent into madness is is a lovely, lovely bit of uh, character stuff and, and performance from from John Bluthall, but it's so sudden and it just makes you wonder what's up with this guy. Meanwhile, space leprechauns. I mean, really, they don't have the Irish accent, but they are space leprechauns. So yeah, even for Fireball XL5, space leprechauns and ghosts, it's a uh, it's a bit of a silly one all round, really. What a catchy outro tune for XL5. I can't almost uh, not help myself, but uh, want to go and sing it now. I won't, don't worry. Yeah. No, thank goodness for that. Aren't we lucky to have such a long legacy of shows mm. to watch and enjoy? So when was that episode? Ghosts of Space, XL5. What, what, nine, what when was 63. that? 63. I mean, right, okay. So that's almost 60 years ago. Yeah. Almost 60 years ago. Uh-huh. And we're still able to watch and enjoy it now. I mean, imagine if we were trying to do a podcast just based around a single series like Twizzle, where there's only one episode remaining. I mean, right. I don't think the podcast would last 150 episodes if that was the case. The Twizzle podcast. Uh, I yeah. bet it would. It's well, a challenge, isn't it? All right, fine. Well, next time, you know what? We'll, we'll go for I that. I bet then. Toby Hado could do it. Okay, right. There's a collaboration in the making. Could. Let's see what we can do. What do you reckon, <laughs> Positrons? Email us, podcast at jerryanson.co.uk <laughs> if you'd like to see a Twizzle or hear a Twizzle podcast. I'm not, not sure it's got legs, but uh, no, who knows? No, yeah, uh, well, no. Yeah. Over on Twitter, people have yes, been getting yes. very excited about the Eagle Moss Eagles oh, that we mentioned uh, last week in the news. Yes, for example, John tweeted saying, uh, I wish I could afford them, but I still have my 1975 Eagles. Fair enough. Mm. Uh, Jay says, I wonder if they'll do a special edition one that Commander Koenig stuffed into the surface of a planet. <laughs> Misha says, uh, have you all considered a flying version? Sneak prop drone tech into the landing leg thrusters. Yes, I have seen a, a, a homemade one on YouTube, actually, that does that, which looks really cool. Yes. What yeah. sort of size? Not what I mean, it's oh, probably quite I, big, I, I don't know, but... about um, 18 inches, uh, 20 oh, inches long, something like that. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. And... Uh, Meanwhile, over on our YouTube channel, uh, Ian Dealey commented on last week's podcast, another fab podcast. I'm currently re-watching New Captain Scarlet on Amazon Prime, and Jeremy Hitchin does loads of good voices on that too. Also nice to have Space Precinct back on the randomizer. John Clay says, some content around Into Infinity, the TV special, uh, would be good. I watched it on DVD a few years back, and it featured most of the 1999 crew and cast, and Ed Bishop narrated it. He did. Oh, really? Yeah, well, there's a, prim- oh. there's a primer on the YouTube channel. 
Um, there you go. But if that was a comment on a fab fact, don't forget the fab facts are random, so we've got no oh. control over what comes out when. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Keith Gooch says, another great episode of the Jerry Anderson podcast with all the usual banter between Richard and Jamie. Great second part of the interview with Jeremy Hitchin. I had no idea he was behind the Edinburgh Foodie Festival. Mm. Great news that Richard James has novelised Five Star Five and Robbie Stevens has done an audio book of it. I will be ordering the CD and book on Wednesday. Ooh. Chris Dale's randomised review of the Space Precinct episode The Power was interesting if short of laughs this week. Have to agree with Chris that the dubbed voices that ruined several episodes of this series certainly ruined this story. Mm. Poor Alison Fielding, another career ended by space precinct. <laughs> what? Another career? What does he mean? No idea. What's he trying to say? No comment. Eh? Cool. I'm Olivier nominated, I'll have you know. That is well, true. I mean, not me personally. But yeah, you were. A show I was in. Yeah, you were. Uh, yeah, he says, uh, keep up the good work. And that's from Keith Gooch. Thanks for all your lovely comments. Don't forget you can hashtag us Jerry Anderson Podcast. Tag me, I'm Jamie Anderson. Him over there, Richard Ed James. And him just sneaking out the door like we, we can't see him, Chris Darling. Yes, yeah, that's almost correct, wasn't it? But I'm glad you yeah, just carried on regardless. I think I got away with it. Yeah, nobody will notice anyway. Uh, right, well, that's probably it then for Pod 153, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's about it. I've got a strange feeling that next week will be Pod 154. Okay, that'll be interesting. Yeah, we'll shake it up a bit. Trying to shake yeah. things up. So yeah, I think yeah, we'll I like do that it. pretty nicely. All right. So, Podsteron will be in your ears next week for Pod 154. Prepare to yeah. be surprised by that. And uh, can you prepare to be surprised? Probably not. Uh, we'll better go. Uh, I'm going. Are you going, Richard James? <laughs> okay. I might as well, yeah. Okay, I'm we're off. going now. Bye. Bye. Well, mm-hmm. I forgot that we um, did that six degrees of Jerry Anderson thing last week, and uh, yes, and had any in yet? Or? No, not 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 one. Not about two post-it notes, really. Yeah. So, oh, if it's he's... Phil Steer all over again, isn't it? Okay. He'll be complaining now. Where are the messages could, yeah. uh, about the uh, six degrees of Anderson? Well, yeah, yeah you're absolutely right. Well, mm. yeah, thank goodness we've got this uh, special Phil Steer themed extension of the yeah. podcast to discuss matters such as these. Now, Jamie. Mm. Uh, you've had all week, haven't you? What, so yeah, have what? you found, as I requested last week, the very first review left for the Jerry Anderson podcast? Well, Richard James, uh, yes? you are yes? very lucky in that I have oh, yes? found that review. Have you? Really? Yeah. Okay. It's from RNJ. RNJ, right, yes. And it says... Yes. Sounds all right. Hmm. Jamie annoying, Chris Dale uh, okay, but that yeah. Richard James bloke is a yeah. legend. Wow, isn't that isn't that lovely? Isn't that nice? Well, I mean, it's not so great for me. It's all right for Chris. Oh. But it's pretty good for you, but I, no. But the, it's it's you the, know the we is, ask 
the person that's left it. That's, I'm a bit suspicious. Well, R- 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 Ronald Nigel Jiminy's. Jiminy's. That's, that must be that that's Ronald Nigel. That big rings fan a of bell, ours, doesn't it? Right? Oh, right. Uh, anyway, uh, well, that's it for now. Uh, I've got to go, uh, and I'll, I'll uh, see you next week. Oh, yeah? Okay. okay. All right, bye. Bye then. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to the Jerry Anderson Podcast. Wasn't it fun? You have been listening to an Anderson Entertainment production.